Hello and welcome back to Hidden Mana Podcast. You are tuning in for the fourth episode where we will not be judging you, but you will be judging yourself. We will explain that as we get into the podcast, but hopefully you have enjoyed our first three podcasts and are starting to learn something. Hidden Mana is all about fighting the hidden truths and the hidden nuggets that are within the Bible. So my name is Ben Grimm. Sitting across from me is Hal Jordan. And we're about to dive into these things, but we always want to remind you how to get a hold of us. Gmail, it's hiddenmanapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Facebook at Hidden Mana Podcast. So really take a minute, pray that God opens your heart, opens your soul to what you're about to listen and learn. And we hope and pray that you just can take something really moving and special from this. So let's get going, and here you go. Here's your first Bible verse. First verse is 1 Peter 4, 17, King James Version. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begins at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? How? Let's fire this up. Let's go. So the principle that uh, this verse uh, embodies is the fact that the judgment begins with the house of God. So it begins with us, and then it will spread through the rest of the world. So if we understand what the judgment of God is, which we're going to talk about today, that will totally change the way the world perceives the judgment. Because right now, the world perceives the judgment uh, in much the same way as the movie that came out, um, which was called The End, right? And they had all these goofy characters who were um, being uh, portrayed in the movie as kind of mocking this concept of the end of the world. The judgment is not the end of the world. The judgment is the beginning of the new world. And it begins with the house of God by us passing judgment on ourselves. And for simple terms, the house of God is? The church. The the worldwide church. Right now, the worldwide church is misunderstanding the scriptures. And uh, this is a new perspective that we want to teach to the people so that they can understand that the judgment is not something to fear. It is something to look forward to. And it is because we do it, basically, we do it to ourselves. And so we do it in order to avoid God's wrath. So if we reread that line, it would say, in simple terms, for the time has come that judgment must begin with the church. With the church, exactly. We start the judgment. So, very important that we start off with that verse because it really kind of sets up the framework and the tone of what we're going to go through here. So, everybody get a mirror out and put it in front of you because the judgment is starting with us. So, we're going to continue on and kind of keep going through. we got quite a few verses today to get through, so we got some good ones coming up, and I want to make sure we have time to spend on those today. So Acts 3, 19 through 21, this is the Common English version, US 06. And there's a, we'll explain the reason why we're having such a specific uh, Bible translation on this one in a minute. But this version says, So turn to God, 
Give up your sins, and you will be forgiven. Then the time will come when the Lord will give you fresh strength. He will send you Jesus, his chosen Messiah. But Jesus must stay in heaven until God makes all things new, just as his holy prophets promised long ago. So this passage, um, the reason we're being so specific in the translation here uh, is because most of the other translations um, word it basically exactly the way the Greek has it, which is kind of confusing when they put the words out of order. Um, but the New International Version, the 84 uh, translation, um, has it correct, whereas the New International Version, the 2011 version, has changed it back to the Greek word order. And so they, they have followed the example of other translations, which makes it more confusing. But this translation puts it in a new light. In other words, it says... Um, so turn to God, give up your sins, and you will be forgiven. So you turn to God, that is your uh, repenting. You repent. And then the time will come when the Lord will give you fresh strength. He will send you Jesus, his chosen Messiah. So when we as the church repent, then God will send the Messiah not before. Jesus isn't coming to judge the earth. He's coming because we all repent. The earth is purified. The earth is made ready for Christ. And we're going to talk in another podcast about how <clears throat> the church is the body of Christ. And so Christ returns in his church. It's not an actual physical bodily return of Jesus himself. He's going to stay um, in heaven, but we will be his body. We will be his manifestation on earth because we are made perfect by our faith in him. But it says that Jesus must stay in heaven until God makes all things new. So he's supposed to stay in heaven until God makes all things new, and then when everything is new, he will return in the form of his church, his body. So That's we got to get it right. Yeah, we got to get the order right. We got to parse these words so that they make sense. And that's why it's important that we look at all the different translations and try to make sense out of them. And this uh, common English version, US 06, um, puts it the most succinctly of all the new translations, of all the translations, that is. And I think it's one of those things that's important to note also to where there is hundreds <clears throat> of different translations of the Bible. And it seems like every person interprets it differently. And we all need to remember that human hands kind of muddies the water. Absolutely. And that's to where we use different verses and we use different translations for this reason, because sometimes this one guy has it right, and then this other guy reads it and doesn't always agree with it or doesn't agree with his church philosophy. So they change it to where it's not so confusing for them, but thus confusing it more. Yeah, and, and the translators usually have a theological bias 
for example, the Catholics have their own set of translations, you know, and the evangelicals have their own set of translations, and they don't always jive as far as the way the ideas come through in the scriptures. <clears throat> so <clears throat> the um, it's important that you look at all the different translations, including the Catholic and including the Jewish and including you know, the more evangelical or fundamentalist versions because you're going to get a more complete picture when you read more than one uh, translation. And that's why the parallel translations that are available or if you use the Bible app or the Bible Hub app, um, those will give you a new understanding. And that's, what, that's how we do our Bible studies is we look at multiple uh, translations in order to try to discern which one is the best. And really try to find the common thread throughout all of them. Oh, absolutely. I think that's what we're doing here. Um, most, of the most of the verses that we will uh, quote will be from the New International Version, but um, we will tell you, try to remember to tell you when we're using like the New King James Version or the common English Bible or what have you. And you know, a lot of the times the <clears throat> modern charismatic churches will use the NIV just because it's the easiest to read for new believers. Yeah. It's and not as confusing. I agree. And when you get into like the new King James version or the old English Bibles, not many people understand that kind of the old English writings, but yeah, yeah the, the old King James Version, you know, that's really archaic. And, um, you know, the these and the thous and the hast and the hast nots and that kind of stuff, those become kind of confusing in the, in the whole study. It's good to go back and see how uh, they translated back in, you know, King James Day. But um, it's, it's better to compare, you know, five or six or even eight different versions and see what they all say and then kind of see what the main thread of thought is. All right, so let's, uh, let's get another Bible verse thrown in here. And this comes out of 2 Peter 3, 10 through 12, Common English Bible. And it says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. On that day, the heavens will pass away with a dreadful noise. The elements will be consumed by fire, and the earth and all the works done on it will be exposed. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be? You must live holy and godly lives, waiting for and hastening the coming day of God. Because of that day, the heavens will be destroyed by fire, and the elements will melt away in the flames." So this one, um, what we have is kind of a confusing train of thought here because Peter is saying that we should all live holy and godly lives and wait and hasten the coming day of God. So by living a holy and godly life, we are hastening or quickening the coming of the day of God. Now, why would we want the day of God to come? Well, as I just explained, the coming judgment is not 
what we have been led to believe. It is not um, the uh, destruction of the earth. It's the purification of the earth, which is why Peter is saying, live a holy and godly life. Because if everybody were living a holy and godly life, the earth would be purified. Not just the earth, but the heavens also. So um, this is what's going to happen when everyone repents then the world will be purified and that purification is symbolized by the fire that will come and uh, says that the elements will be consumed by fire and the earth and all the works done on it will be exposed. So everything is supposed to be destroyed. It doesn't mean everything. It's really talking about the old self. That's what is going to be destroyed in the fire. Can we hit the brakes for a minute here? Yeah. We need to do one of those matrix mind wipe kind of cleaning things of everybody. Yeah. And really make sure everybody <laughs> understands to where for too long with Bible, with everything to where fire is negative. Fire is just destroying, leave everything in wreckage, this horrible thing. But that's not what we're saying here. This fire is a cleansing fire. This is like a wildfire that sweeps through the forest, cleans out all the underbrush so new life can be born. Exactly. And that's the uh, that's a, that's a great concept, a mind wipe where we just we just need to kind of forget what we've been led to believe. Um, and, and you have to remember that God has allowed us to believe that for these 2,000 years since Christ uh, was on earth because he's beginning a new revelation. He's beginning a process for the church to kind of reassess her role in the world. And that's what we want to be the catalyst for. We want to be the spark to start this fire in order to get the people to understand that the fire is not a negative thing. It's a wonderful thing. It's a great thing. And that's what the, that was what was symbolized on the day of Pentecost when the fire came on the disciples, that they were now on fire for Christ. And they are the beginning of the whole movement that will sweep throughout the universe, including the demons and Satan himself. They will all be purified. So, uh, you know, this is what our whole message is. We are going to see a revival. We're going to see a reformation. We're going to see a renewal. We're going to see a restoration, which is what the last verse in the Bible, in the Old Testament says in Malachi, it says that he will restore everything. Yeah, and I think it's one of those things to where you know, with like the Left Behind series and those kind of books, it really says, oh, just sit on your hands, be good. God will be here to pick you up in five minutes, so don't do anything crazy. Just sit back and wait. And that's not what we're saying here. No, not at all. And, it, and it's really important to where we need to change our mindset. We need to change the way we're looking at the future to where we need to be making things right. We need to be setting down the groundwork for ourselves to be judged. Yes, and for future generations, because as we begin the process, as we lay down these biblical concepts, uh, 
future generations will be able to look at them and go, yeah, that's right. That's the way we should be living our lives. And then they can move on into the future for thousands of years and see the earth begin to be purified. And that's why we talk about the Sabbath millennium, because we are just now going into the Sabbath millennium, which is supposed to be a day or a millennium of rest. That's why they call it the Sabbath. It's the seventh millennium since Adam, and it's a day of rest. And so we're going uh, to purify the entire universe. And it's also important on this verse to really make sure everybody understands to where it specifically says <clears throat> everything will be destroyed, including the heavens. Yes. And it's not destroyed in the sense of gone, never be seen again. The old way of life is destroyed. Amen. And that's what's really important to wear. Don't look at it as this is the end and no, nothing afterwards. There's no period. It's kind of like an eclipse. It's like dot, dot, dot. Okay, the old's dead. Now it's time to be reborn and relived. It's like the snake coming out of his old skin and being reborn with a new life. Yep. Yeah, that's what we want to have people, instead of being afraid of the judgment day, they should hasten the coming of the day of God because it's something to look forward to. It's something to, because it's a wonderful time. And we probably, I probably won't live to see much of that happen because we're just beginning this process. But as future generations, like uh, Ben's generation here, he's a little younger than me, um, he, he will be able to see this go further and further in the future. And we're just laying the groundwork. I think we need to get one of those posters made from like the World War II propaganda with Uncle Sam pointing at you. And it says, what will you do to get ready for judgment? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus wants you. Jesus choose you. <laughs> what will you do to fight? So let's get another verse out here. Um, it's 2 Peter 3, 7, Common English Bible. And it really kind of bounces off of what we were just kind of discussing with the last verse to where it says, But by the same word, heaven and earth are now, are now held in reserve for fire, kept for the judgment day and destruction of ungodly people. So this is the, uh, I mean, it all sounds very scary when you read it, but when you see it in the context of all these verses that we're laying down for you today and what we've done in the past and what we will do in the future, you will see that the judgment day and the destruction of ungodly people is your self-judgment when you judge yourself. So when you judge yourself, you destroy your old self. You destroy, that is the ungodly people. Because we all have ungodly old selves. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. So we want to <laughs> get rid of that sinful nature, which we'll talk about here in a minute. We actually want to crucify on the Christ with on the cross with Christ. So that's the concept. When you judge yourself, when you crucify yourself with Christ which is symbolized by baptism and circumcision. So the destruction of ungodly people. Don't think you're getting out of this one, Hal. We're all right there on the cross. 
we all, our old selves are the ungodly people that will be destroyed. Yes, absolutely. And it's very important for our listeners to know that we're, we're all in that boat. There's nobody that's getting out of it. And that's why if we judge ourselves, we will hasten the day of God. And that's why this, this whole passage in second Peter chapter three is misinterpreted because he is not talking about a literal destruction of the entire universe. He's talking about a renewal by fire, the spiritual fire. There's no special 100 people that'll be saved from judgment. We will all be judged. And if we judge ourselves, we're just going to speed up the process. And it's kind of like ripping off a Band-Aid. Yeah, it's a good analogy <laughs> because if you if you uh, rip it off quickly and do it yourself, it's usually less painful than if you do it slowly and let someone else do it. And they're giggling the whole time as they pull it off millimeter by millimeter. Like, he, he, there goes five hairs, five more. Oh, let's lay it back down and do it one more time. But everyone, even the, even the people who are dead, and we'll talk about this in future podcasts, even they will have a chance to repent after death. It's not as though um, the judgment has to happen before you die. You will still have a chance to, so to speak, repent of your sins that you committed here on earth and that you will commit even after death you will have a chance to repent of those sins. And there's a lot of evil people that are on earth and ones that have died. And I think that's kind of a hard concept for many believers to wrap their head around where it's like, how can you tell me that Saddam Hussein can be saved for what all he did? Yeah, or Hitler, you know, or Mao Zedong. Um, they, they murdered millions of people or were responsible for the misery and destruction of whole towns and, and people groups. Um, but they will love Christ even more than us because Jesus says that he who loves me or, you know, he who has forgiven much will be, will love much. So the more you're forgiven, the more you will appreciate having been forgiven and you will love Christ even more. And it's not our place to judge those people. It's those people that need to look in the mirror and judge themselves. Right. And face their sins. Right. And we all have our own levels of sins and our own bucket, in a sense, full of sins that we have to face. Their bucket's much fuller than ours, but they still have to face it. They still have to look it in the mirror and say, I did all those things. I want to be forgiven. Right. And we have to remember that all of these sinners, you know, we talk about Hitler and we talk about Mao Zedong and we talk about Saddam Hussein. They all had a history. Maybe their parents were violent or maybe they were raised in in a family or group that were haters, which obviously Hitler hated the Jews and hated other people. And so he was raised in that sort of mindset and they're conditioned we are like a machine we are trained we are taught we are programmed and we will follow through with some of those programs and so um, everybody has to understand that we're you know if we're raised in a 
church family, by the church lady or something, you know, where we have an advantage because we understand good and evil. But some of these other people before us didn't understand that or didn't quite grasp the concept. And uh, so, you know, God's going God's gonna to forgive them. And it really comes back to that whole matrix mind wipe. We all need to look and see, okay, what are we pre-programmed to believe? And just question it. And really try to reset our minds to think a little bit differently about God and about our relationship with Him. Absolutely. It is, it is really a matter of everybody seeking after God. And if you seek God, you will find Him. Okay, so I'm really excited about the verse after this one, but we still got to get one more in before we get to it. Um, Matthew 3.11, New King James Version, so we are switching up a Bible on you. It says, uh, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. It's a good segue into what we were just talking about, so... Yeah, absolutely. Here we have it. Jesus himself, or not, this is not Jesus speaking. This is John the Baptist. And he is saying that Christ is going to come and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. They're not two different things. They're the same thing. The Holy Spirit is the fire. God is the fire. He's going to baptize you with the fire. Not only is he going to baptize you individually with the fire, he's going to baptize the entire universe with the fire. So everybody will be baptized with the fire. And this is the purification that Peter's talking about that will destroy. And I put quotation marks around the word destroy, air quotes, because that word misleads the people. He thinks, and most people think, Everything's going to be totally disintegrated. No, it's going to be burned clean. It's going to be purified. It's going to be refined. So when the Holy Spirit baptizes you with fire, you are refined. You are purified. You are made new. You're a new person. Your old self is dead. Got it? Good. Get it. I think this is where we put the crickets in there. Crickets kind of everybody just like stopping and just swallowing. This is a big chunk to swallow all of a sudden where it's like, okay, we're baptized, we're new, but we're not dead. Right. But we're dead to our old selves. Yep. And that's the important thing. That's the important thing. And this is a hard concept for you fundamentalists to take in because believe me, I was a fundamentalist. And when I realized this, it was like, oh my gosh, how confusing is this? But when you see all these verses put together end to end, then you start to see, oh, baptism with fire is the Holy Spirit. That's the purification of the universe. That's what we're waiting for. That's why Peter says, you know, live a holy and godly life and hasten the coming of the day of the Lord. You're going to purify the universe. And it's kind of like what we've talked about many times in our other podcast where we are Bible verse driven. None of this is pulled out of our derrieres. This is all biblical. This is all interpreted Bible verses that we've tied together that have a common thread and a common voice to them. So 
write all these verses down and you look at it yourself and really go through it and make your own judgment on it of, does this make sense for me? And if it doesn't, ask the questions. Why doesn't it make sense for you? And it might be that old programming from your previous church life that you and, need to unprogram. And if people will actually take a look at Acts chapter 3, which we read, you know, that was our second <laughs> verse of the day, about Jesus will return when we repent. It all makes sense. Because he wants the world to be purified before he comes back. That's what he wants. Because he already did the work once before trying to clean the earth. Right. And we muddied it up again. Right. And we'll clarify this whole, we are the cloud, we are the body of Christ in a future podcast. So hang with us. We are going there. We know where we're going and we just want to take you there one verse at a time, one step at a time, and not try to get you to see the whole big picture, but we're trying to give you clues as to where we're going so that when we get there, you go, oh, yeah, I see how that relates back to, you know, podcast number three. Mm-hmm. Man, how I thought that for a minute you were going to break into a song singing We Are the World. <laughs> well, we are the world. We're all the world. Sing a little Michael Jackson for us. Yeah. So this next verse... It's only 10 words long, but if there's one verse that you can memorize out of this study, this is the verse I would challenge everybody to memorize. And I think it's one of those that you put up on your mirror that you look at in the morning and you get ready to it and you just constantly remember it throughout the day. It comes out of 1 Corinthians 11.31, Common English Bible. Listen very carefully. There's only 10 words, but just really focus on this. But if we had judged ourselves we wouldn't be judged. Is that a culmination of what we've been talking about? Absolutely. And that's the whole concept that we started out with. Judgment begins with the house of God. And now we jump to a whole other book written by a whole different person. The first one was written by Peter. This one's written by Paul. And the concept is the same. If we judge ourselves, we won't be judged. We will not be judged. So judge yourselves. Repent, follow Christ, live a good life, do what you're supposed to do, seek after God, pray, read the Bible, do those things that you know you should do, and you won't be judged. You will be rewarded. I think it's very important here. One of my greatest annoyances is seeing the Bible thumpers on the corner given all Christian believers this horrible name that we're just out there to bloody you in the face by smashing you with a Bible and judging everybody saying, you're all going to hell. You're all going to burn. We've all seen the people on the sandwich boards just berating people. I mean, just being mean about it. Yeah, well, the Westboro Baptist Church type mentality yeah. where, you know, God hates fags and that kind of stuff. God loves everybody. I'm going to say this right out there for you. God loves Satan. Okay. If God loves Satan, he loves everybody. So he loves even the Westboro Baptist church people, you know, who condemn everybody else who try to, you know, stick their self-righteousness in your face. Um, we just need to judge ourselves and we need to judge ourselves as the church. So we need to look at things like the Westboro Baptist Church or 
you know, the Hal Lindsey types or the, um, you know, the left behind groups of people and say, you know what, we don't agree with you. We want to have a positive outlook on the future. We want to have plans for the future as the church, as individuals. We want to have plans for the future because as we begin to plan, we start to lay down tracks for the future revival of the entire world. We have a huge job ahead of us. I mean, we have to reach out to people that, that totally misunderstand who Jesus is. The, for example, the Muslim vision of who Jesus is, they, they know about Jesus. They believe in Jesus. They even say they love Jesus, but they don't believe that he is the son of God. They don't believe he is God. They believe he was a prophet. And they, they believe he's a very special prophet, but their misunderstanding is what is keeping them from really understand, really understanding who Jesus is. And so we have to, but part of that is because the church has been wrong about how they teach about Jesus. And if we would clean up our act, if we would judge ourselves, then we could go forward with this new message about who Jesus is and what he's going to do for us as the human race and the angelic race, who, by the way, are humans. You might have just dropped a bomb that people never heard of. Yeah, <laughs> we'll go there. We'll go there. That might be a few podcasts <clears throat> down the road, but tune in for future episodes on angels and the human likeness that they have. Absolutely. Uh, so anyway, I hope the concept is coming through loud and clear that if you judge yourselves, you will not be judged. And that is 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 31, best stated in the common English Bible. It's in all the other versions, but this one is just very it's, succinct. It's clear. the cleanest. Yeah. It's the cleanest translation that really kind of puts it out there straightforward, slaps your mom in the mouth, and says... Look in the mirror, judge yourself. So we have a couple more verses that kind of follow up on that. Um, if we have time, we'll go into the second one uh, because that's kind of our segue for the next podcast. So, um, Ben, would you read Colossians 3, 3 through 5? And I do think we'll have time to be able to get that second verse in here today, too. So. So. Um, so Colossians 3, 3 through 5, Common English Bible says, You died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. So put to death the parts of your life that belong to the earth, such as sexual immorality, moral corruption, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. So this verse is such an awesome verse. Because <clears throat> it really summarizes this whole concept. Here Paul says, so put to death, in other words, judge the parts of your life that belong to the earth, such as sexual immorality, moral corruption, lust, evil desire, and greed. So even though we say that everybody is going to be saved, okay, that doesn't mean that we think you can live your lives any way you want to anyway. Paul is saying, put to death your old self, kill it, nail it to the cross, bury it in baptism, you know, get rid of it. 
And then you can live your new life in a renewed spirit of joy and peace and faith and love. And uh, so we want to kill our old self. Picture that. You want to cut its head off. You want to circumcise it. Oh, there's another clue where we're going with this. We're going down the rabbit hole again. Yep. So if we, if we remember that baptism is a replacement ritual for the ritual of circumcision, okay? So really, only males could be circumcised. We know that in the Muslim community, sometimes they circumcise the females. We call it female mutilation. Um, but... In the Jewish and the Muslim tradition, circumcision is a ritual that is required for membership in that religion. And Paul is saying, you don't need to be circumcised anymore because that ritual has been replaced by baptism that everybody can do, not just the males of the species. The females can equally participate in baptism. They can repent. They can be a part of the body. They're just as important as everybody else. But it symbolizes your death, your absolute crucifixion, your beheading of yourself. And it's really important to where it's like, it says all these things that belong to the earth. And it's such pity, stupid things that we get so focused on in our day-to-day life that takes us away from that higher relationship of God. And it's really important that we just really realize to where, what is important to you on a day-to-day basis? Is more money important? Is that really hot girl across the way important? And that's what we need to like, kind of really kind of refocus our minds of what is important in our lives. And it's that relationship with God. It's that relationship with other believers. And it's really building other people up and just sharing God's love and dying to that old self. Yeah, the, this verse again says, you died, okay? Paul is saying, you died when you accepted Christ. You died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So we are in Christ. We are in God. We are one with Him. If you're in something, you're one with it. If you're in the water, you're flowing down the river. You're a part of that flow. You're one with it. So you are one with God. And when Christ, who is your life, So we are so united to him that we are one with him. He is your life. And when he is revealed, okay, when he is revealed, it says, then you also will be revealed. This is why we say we are the body of Christ. We are going to be his revelation. When we are revealed as being the body of Christ, then Christ will be revealed. It's the same moment. It's the same instant. So when people come to that awareness, and it doesn't have to be a sudden momentary thing. It's going to take generations to to get this to happen. But it can happen with you personally today. It can happen with us individually 
or corporately as the church. It can happen when we are identified with Christ. That is the beginning of the revelation of who Christ is. And this is not a one and done kind of thing. It's a daily choice. Yes. It's a daily fight to where we're not saying turn or burn and you're fine. This is a daily choice that you got to wake up every day, look in the mirror, judge yourself, and really live to be in Christ and live to be a part of Christ. Yeah, and that's why I liked when you said, you know, you could take the verse from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, which we've already read, verse 31, that says, but if we had judged ourselves, we wouldn't be judged. So put that on your mirror. Remind yourself every day as you're brushing your teeth, judge yourself. You know, do the right thing. Make sure that you're taking care of what you know you're responsible to do. Am I living a life that would make Christ proud? Yep. Our Father. Are you seeking after God? Yeah. Because that's the one thing I think if everybody would just seek after God. I was having a conversation with a man a couple days ago, and he's not a Christian. Um, He's well aware of... He's not actually from this country, but he says, boy, here in the United States, um, there's a lot of Christians and it's, there's a lot. He's from Europe. So so he says there's a lot more awareness of the spiritual life here in this country. So I, I told him I was going to get him a copy of the Common English Bible so that because I like that translation by and large better than other ones. And I think it would make things clear to him. But... Um, but he is an example of someone who is being exposed to these ideas for the first time and is, and is starting to become aware. You need to seek the answer. You need to seek the truth. He was raised in a communist country and he was strongly discouraged from, um, from doing anything spiritual. The whole, you know, the whole premise of communism is that there is no God, and that we're all in this together, you know, um, communist, we're, com- we're a big commune. And that's true. We are. We're all a family. But you're responsible for yourself. You need to seek after God personally every day. Judge yourself. So this last verse we're going to do is one we're going to end on and we'll start our next podcast with so if you hear it on this episode and the next episode don't think we've lost our minds it actually is for a purpose because it's a good period but it's also at the same time a good capital letter to start the next one so it comes from Colossians 2 11 through 15 common English Bible and it goes a little something like this you were also circumcised by him This wasn't performed by human hands. The whole body was removed through this circumcision by Christ. You were buried with him through baptism and raised with him through faith in the power of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead because of the things you had done wrong and because your body wasn't circumcised, God made you alive with Christ and forgave all the things you had done wrong. He destroyed the record of the debt we owed with its requirements that worked against us. He canceled it by nailing it to the cross. When he disarmed the rulers and authorities, he exposed them to public disgrace by leading them in 
a triumphal parade. All right, Hal, bring us home. <laughs> All right, well, this is a great, great passage. Um, this is really fundamental to this concept of circumcision being replaced by baptism. Now, the Jews practiced circumcision since the time of Abraham. God appeared to Abraham and told him to be circumcised and to circumcise all the males in his community, in his family, including his servants and slaves. Uh, yes, they believed in slaves in those days. We don't today. We don't think it's right but um, that is a part of the evolution of our, of our society. As we evolve, that we become better. I think we are becoming better because of the Judeo-Christian influence on the universe. <clears throat> so um, we were circumcised by Jesus. It says right here, you were circumcised by him. This wasn't performed by human hands. The whole body was removed by this circumcision by Christ. So the old self, the old body is removed. That is the picture of being beheaded. You, are, you cut your head off and you replace it with a new head who is Jesus himself. Jesus is the head of the body. Picture that, okay? You cut your head off and you put on Jesus as your new head. You now become Jesus. That is what circumcision is a picture of. The Jews didn't get this, okay? The Christians for 2,000 years didn't get this. Who have you ever heard teach this idea that when you circumcise yourself it is a picture of beheading yourself all right baptism is exactly the same thing cutting off your head equals killing yourself baptism equals burying yourself so circumcision and baptism are the same thing and it says that this wasn't performed by human hands. This was performed by God. He's the one who did it for us. And you were buried with him through baptism and raised with him through faith in the power of God who raised him, meaning Christ, from the dead. So when you were dead because of the things you had done wrong, because your body wasn't circumcised, that's a spiritual picture, you were not circumcised. Doesn't, you don't have to be circumcised in this day and age. You do have to be baptized. But God made you alive with Christ and forgave all the things that you had done wrong. He even destroyed the record of all the evil, all the debt that we owed with its requirements that worked against us. He canceled it, and this is the concept. He nailed it to the cross. So that's a picture of you being crucified with Christ. So when you see a crucifixion on the wall, just imagine that's you. You're crucified up there. That's a reminder that you have crucified yourself with Christ. You're dead. 
Your old self is dead. You're buried. Your head is cut off. You got a new head. Now you're Jesus. And we can look at this negatively or positively. And the positive in this is to where you don't have to be that old self you were. Right. Every day you wake up, you make a choice to be born anew and to be able to make new positive choices with Christ right. as your head. And I know so many people get beat up from their old selves, but Christ died on the cross for those sins. So stop looking backwards at your old sins and your old self and start looking toward the future and start living for Christ and start living toward that judgment day and building up and hastening the coming of Christ. Yeah, I think that uh, the, the beauty of Christianity is that we know that we have been forgiven and we can therefore look forward to the future, not just the future of our lives here on earth, but the future forever because we are going to be with Christ, because we're already a part of him. And we'll get into the quantum physics of all of this someday, um, but it's overwhelming, but we are a part of Christ. We are a part of God. We are in him. He is in us. And so when we are baptized, that is a picture of us becoming one with him. Remember when I said we're, if we're a part of the flow, if we're a part of a river, we are moving down the river with the, with the current. So that is the picture of baptism. You're now immersed in God and your old self is dead. And I think we've got a few minutes left here and how I want you to kind of, can you bring it home for us? I know we started off talking about this huge J word, judgment. I feel like you got to have like your Morgan Freeman voice to be able to say that word properly. Yeah, right. But it's really not about the judgment. It's about what comes after the judgment, right? Uh, yeah, that's a good perspective. Um, because if we judge ourselves, remember this is both an individual thing and a church-wide thing, and eventually it will be a worldwide thing. You know, give ourselves a few generations for this idea to kind of percolate through all these different societies. You know, it might, we believe it's beginning here in the Northwest of the United States. And we'll get into that prophetic revelation later because we believe in prophecy. Ha <laughs> ha. Okay. We believe it still <laughs> happens. We're not totally liberal in the sense that you may think. We believe the Bible is the literal word of God. We just believe it has been misinterpreted for thousands of years. Not by everybody. Yeah, and God has allowed that to happen to kind of get people to the place where they are now. We are evolving as a a world. Because even 50 years ago, these concepts would not have been even anywhere ready to come out. Well, yeah, and, and and 150 years ago, some of these concepts were more prevalent. You know, the I think about Jonathan Edwards, who lived in the 1700s, and he had this notion of the 
millennium being the Sabbath, the rest for the church. But because of, uh, you know, things like uh, World War One and World War Two, people became much more pessimistic. And so they started thinking in terms of, well, let's just hasten the day of God by giving up, you know, letting the world go to hell. And then he has no choice but to come back and save us all. That isn't going to happen. He's waiting for the church to wake up and take her proper role as his body, as his um, uh, personal presence here on earth. And we think in terms of the Pope being the vicar of Christ, being the personal presence of Christ on earth, in a sense. But everybody is. Everybody is a personal representative of Christ. And so um, when we judge ourselves and allow ourselves to be baptized and buried with Christ and join in the flow of the Holy Spirit and purify ourselves with the fire of the Holy Spirit, then we can move forward into the future of this great day, this great kingdom of God that is coming. It will come, people. These ideas have got to go out throughout the entire world. And that's why we're doing this podcast as kind of a seed that we're planting out there for people to listen to and begin to you know, research these Bible verses and, and, you know, you can go on our website and see these things written down so you can actually listen to the podcast again and have the Bible verses in front of you and just study them with us. And the biggest thing is don't try to study it alone. Have conversations with family and friends because everybody has their own understanding and their own viewpoint of the Bible and God. And it's so great having those conversations with multiple people from multiple walks of lives. So then now you get a full circle of kind of what the vision of God is. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, this, this podcast might, like I said, be a seed. But it's also something that you can tell your friends about. And as your friends begin to listen and follow, they'll begin to understand. And then you guys will have a common belief system and buy our books and, and, and go on our website and see what it is that we're trying to convey to the world. And then you will understand that this is a very optimistic viewpoint. This is not pessimistic. That's yeah. why we're trying to reprogram people into understanding what is the judgment? What is fire? What is circumcision? What is baptism? And it can really be put the judgment, comma, and then the real life starts. Yep, yep. The judgment is the beginning, and it doesn't have to wait until, you know, sometime in the future it can happen for you today. You can accept Christ as your Savior, or you can renew your faith in Christ, or you can take another step to say, wait a minute, like it took me years to kind of wash away all those beliefs that I had been taught at in Bible school and seminary and 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 then go wait a minute I don't agree with this anymore let's take another look let's really go deeply and and personally I want to encourage people to pray for the gift of prophecy because when you pray for the gift of prophecy you will begin to understand things on a deeper level 
it, it won't be overnight. It takes time. And so hopefully the podcast and the books and the website will help you to make that change. But it is something that you just kind of have to absorb and then let it take the place of your old belief system, your old paradigm. And uh, and that's where we're hopefully heading with all of this. And I know a lot of times with like kind of biblical kind of scholarly words like prophecy, judgment, insight... When we say pray for the gift of prophecy, it's really just praying for the gift of insight and deeper understanding and just really kind of seeing between the lines of what God's writing. So don't think of it as this magical, mystical pill that's going to make you see like the rabbit hole in a whole new light. It's really just seeing the full picture of what God is painting for us yeah, and, and expanding our mind. And I think that this is something that is really missing in the church today. Because Paul says that you should desire all the gifts, but especially the gift of prophecy. And then he explains in 1 Corinthians 13 that prophecy is understanding all mysteries and all knowledge. So it's an understanding. But you don't get understanding by just sitting around or watching television, Mm -hmm. usually. Sometimes I learn things from watching television, but usually it's from studying the Bible and really listening to things like this podcast or listen. I listen to other people's podcasts all the time, trying to get an understanding, you know, kind of focus in on people who, who think kind of like me. Nobody thinks exactly like me (laughs) or us, but if we find people that kind of resonate with what we believe, then we can absorb what they're saying as well. Frankly, I don't think you'll need anybody else other than this podcast, but, uh, you know, we're going to give you a lot. That's just us talking openly. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to give you a lot of stuff to think about. So um, uh, we just hope that uh, you'll join in and get with this movement and, uh, and be a part of it and understand that we're, we are the future. That concludes our fourth edition of the Hidden Mana podcast. If you want to get involved or you want to be part of the discussion, feel free to email us at any time at hiddenmanapodcast at gmail.com. We really are looking to have great discussions with our listeners and with anybody that wants to have an open, honest conversation. We're not looking to say who's right and who's wrong. All we're doing is delivering the information. You pray about it. You decide what you want to believe. Stop and think, can Satan really be saved? But remember, you have to look in the mirror and judge yourself. Don't go around judging others until you're perfect, which will never happen. So we thank you so much for tuning in this week, this time, wherever it is that you're at in the space-time continuum. We say to you, God bless, have a wonderful time, be safe. For Hal Jordan, this has been Grim. We're signing off until next time.